Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're going to talk some money in politics with Liz Peek, Fox News contributor, syndicated columnist, and Steve Moore, vice president of FreedomWorks and Committee to Unleash Prosperity, and his great radio show, More Money, will follow this show. By the way, he wrote Godzilla, How the Relentless Growth of Government is Devouring Our Economy. Okay, welcome back, kids. Liz Peek, no more hamburgers on July 4th. <laughs> Say it isn't so. No more hamburgers, and God knows what else they're going to stop us from doing. Well, they're going to stop us from doing all the things we love. Uh, just as just as the Capitol Police uh, stopped this lovely uh, young choir from a local high school for singing in the Capitol, our American uh, anthem, yes, they're going after everything that conservatives and everything that patriotic Americans love, including, yes, cooking out hamburgers and hot dogs in the backyard because, oh, my gosh, the climate implications of such reckless uh, grilling uh, cannot be overestimated, Larry. And also, by the way, eating cow meat, uh, beef, uh, as we all know, is terribly detrimental to the climate. And just trust John Kerry. He's going to work on all this. You know, um, I haven't barbecued in a while, but I used to like to barbecue lamb. And I put about half a can of lighter fluid in there. <laughs> Instead of using sauce, I'd use lighter fluid. How would, would that pass muster? And Terrible. It, terrible. Oh, even no worse. Good. No good. Those are the kinds of chemicals that leach into the groundwater and cause, you know, starvation 100 years from now. I'm no. sure that's a terrible idea. And, you know, by the way, you and almost every other American does the same thing. I, I like the taste of lighter fluid. <laughs> <laughs> and Steve Moore, uh, as I understand it, in your poll, by the way, we we talked about your poll last night uh -huh. on the show at some length. Um, when when asked how much people were willing to pay uh, to address global warming, warming, the response was twenty dollars. Now, yeah. Biden has spent several trillion dollars, so we have a disconnect here. <laughs> yeah. Twenty dollars. Yeah, that's that's too big. Big Mac, uh, you know, uh, super <laughs> lunches. Um, look, Americans aren't buying into this uh, craziness of climate change that is getting more fanatical all the time, as, as Liz was talking about. And so um, you're seeing a real, I think, a real kind of peak climate change uh, mania. And when people say, now that was the median answer. Now you get a lot of liberals say, oh, I'd be willing to pay $5,000 or $10,000 to stop climate change. But that's not where most Americans are. And you're right, given the trillions of dollars that have been spent, you know, Americans are paying thousands of dollars uh, a year, if not more, for the climate change uh, fanaticism. And 
look, I think everyone knows, even those people who are really worried about climate change, that none of these actions, the United States government, will have any impact on greenhouse gas emissions because China's emissions are four to five times higher than ours are. So it's it's all feel-goodism. Um, it's almost this new puritism, puritanism mm-hmm. that has mm-hmm. invaded the United States. Anything fun, you can't do. That's right. <laughs> and 79% uh, agree we shouldn't make energy more expensive. And 77% don't want to be forced into electric vehicles. Now, that last one is very, very interesting, Steve Moore. 77% don't want to be mandated into electric vehicles. Only 23% want an electric vehicle mandate. And so the Bidens are going exactly in the opposite direction, which is at some point, this political clash is going to damage the Democratic Party. You would think so, and and you're exactly right about that. I mean, you know what Americans are for when it comes to cars? Freedom to choose. Yes. <laughs> what a <Yes>. concept. <laughs> yeah, so, Liz, I mean, really, the, the, you see it in California, of course, with Gavin Newsom and so forth. But you see it in, you know, that's what the EPA is doing uh, with their tailpipe emissions. And um, there's this, it's a sort of, I guess, a quiet revolt out there. People don't want to be forced into buying electric cars. Uh, if they want to buy a gas-powered car, they want to buy a gas-powered car. That's yeah. probably, it's you know, there are always these sort of sub-rosa political issues that come into, come into uh, campaigns. Republicans ought to harp on that. I think that's a good issue. Well, I think so. I mean, I think Steve's got it right. It's a question of freedom of choice, just like gas grills versus uh, electric mm. stoves, which, I mean, I don't know anyone who likes an electric stove. Honestly, they're horrible to cook on. But in terms of cars, I think the other thing that's happening is a lot of people, including young, pretty liberal people that I know, are hearing more and more about the disadvantages of electric vehicles, things like they're very, very heavy. I mean, to get a vehicle that goes any kind of reasonable distance or or maintains a power uh, a power charge, the battery is so heavy, Larry, that they become lethal weapons of, of destruction. I mean, mm-hmm. if you have an accident in one of these big cars powered by a, a battery, you know, that is a really bad accident. I mean, it's like the heaviest SUVs on the road. Mm-hmm. I think those things like that, the fact that the cost of charging them is no longer... I, I mentioned to someone, maybe to you, that in England now... Uh, someone was telling me that charging their EV was costing 25 pounds. You know, it's not like it's free. And so when you begin weighing the advantages and disadvantages, the high initial cost, the inconvenience of charging, et cetera, I think more people are just saying, well, it doesn't really work for me, at least not now. I mean, 10 years from now, five years from now, if batteries really shrink in size and cost, the cost comes down and there's this rollout of gigantic uh, charging stations, which, by the way, Tesla recently just uh, 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 facilitated to some degree, then I think people might change their minds. But, you know, I liken what's going on on this climate policy to building a house with four pillars, but the pillars aren't the same size and the house ends up falling in on itself Mm. because they're not all going to get to the destination at the same time. We want electrification, but we don't have the electric grid in in place. So we could end up in a really sort of catastrophic. I'm so tired of everyone yelling crisis, but this could become a really dangerous situation for the U.S. 
where we don't have the electricity to feed all the demand that's out there. Yeah, this is nanny state stuff, nagging us, taking away things that we like. We have an electric stove. You know, we moved about four or five months ago uh, from one apartment to another. We have an electric stove, and it doesn't even work. (laughs) I mean, it's like a 1950s, and the guy who owns the apartment keeps coming in and trying to fix it, but he can't fix it. Anyway, enough of that. Um, Steve Moore, the other thing that's interesting on the energy front is these ESG resolutions are losing in stockholder meetings. Mm. There's a very good story, uh, ExxonMobil, um, Chevron, uh, and over in London, they had a couple, BP and Shell, and all these climate change resolutions are failing, whereas a year ago, they were all succeeding. In fact, the Greenies forced ExxonMobil to take three Greenies on their board, which is just outrageous. But now this stuff is all failing. So I guess my question is, when you look at your polls and you look at Liz's commentary and you look at these shareholder meetings, maybe this whole climate change and ESG, I know ESG covers more than climate, but maybe this thing has peaked. Now Americans are starting to revolt against it. Steve. uh, Sorry about that. I was on mute. We did a study about... um, you know, three or four weeks ago that showed, you know, which of these big companies, J.P. Morgan and State Street and BlackRock and Schwab and, you know, Fidelity, which ones were voting for all these crazy ESG initiatives the, the in their proxy voting. And what was interesting is we made the case that this is a violation. These are fiduciaries, Larry. Mm-hmm. Those companies that I just mentioned, mm-hmm. they have a fiduciary duty to their clients to get the highest return possible. And, you know, the, the title of our report was called Putting Politics Over Pensions because you get every study, not every study, but most studies show that ESG investing gets a lower return than just an index fund, you know, because you're restricting what you can buy. And last year, by the way, the highest return industry was oil and gas, and that's what the, <laughs> the, uh, the right. left uh, wanted companies to divest in. And so I think you're seeing two groups of people really um, uh, turning against ESG. People are just more conservative orientation who don't don't want, don't agree with the political philosophy of these. But then just average mom and da- dad, uh, mom and pop investors who, you know, want to retire with the best return they can get and the most amount of money so they can maybe buy a house in Florida. And now they realize, wait a minute, uh, State Street and Black, BlackRock are putting their own political views over the best return. And so that's, I think, one of the reasons you're seeing a real revolt against this. Tim Vanguard, they just pulled out of it now. They're out of the ESG business, right? Yeah. But what They're about sta- and, is and State Street? St- they got a big boost from that. They got a big yeah. boost I know that, from telling people, we're not going to do this anymore. I know. They got good press from it. Uh, but I think State Street is still in it, or am I wrong? Yeah, they're in it. They're really bad. You know, people should take go to the Committee to Unleash Prosperity website, folks, if you want to find out which companies are the best and which are the worst. And you know, State Street's terrible, BlackRock's terrible, mm-hmm. UBS is terrible, uh, and so uh, we need to sh- shine a spotlight on this. And people can make a real difference by just calling your broker and saying, "Hey, you're playing politics with my pension. I, I'm going to move my money over to you know, uh, Dimensional or, or Vanguard that aren't playing." you know, aren't, aren't uh, getting lower returns than I, than I want. Well, the good news is the tide may be turning against all I this agree. nonsense. That's the good news. Anyway, let's take a quick break. 
Liz Peek, syndicated columnist, Fox News contributor, Steve Moore, Freedom Works, and Committee to Unleash Prosperity. And please stick around to watch, uh, listen to Steve Moore's radio show called More Money. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're here with Liz Peek, Fox News contributor, syndicated columnist, and Steve Moore of FreedomWorks and Committee to Unleash Prosperity and his excellent radio show following this show. It's called More Money. So, kids, Liz Peek, um, Joe Biden spoke last night. This is a wonderful story. 7 p.m. on a Friday night in the summer. Okay. You may as well hide under a rock. And uh, <laughs> finally, we got, and we got I, I mean, I got a copy of it, uh, courtesy of, um, of uh, Fox, but... Uh, he says, Liz, that he saved America. He rescued the economy. The U.S. dodged an economic collapse. It's his first Oval Office speech, and um, he's taking full credit for this. You think he deserves it? <laughs> yeah, and I think the 68 people who turned in nationwide to listen to it were probably pretty impressed. Uh, look, I think it's been pretty widely panned, first of all, for using an Oval Office address, which is usually a moment of great uh, national significance, alarm, emergency, whatever, to basically hype his own behavior and his and repeat talking points, uh, effectively, you know, telling everyone that Republicans are terrible. Uh, no, he does not deserve the credit. I think, uh, thank heavens, I, I am happy we added that deal. I think it's a good thing that this happened. Uh, I know that Republicans on the right, particularly the uh, Freedom Caucus, are alarmed that more was not done, but I think Kevin McCarthy came out with a deal that at least uh, bent the trajectory, the arc of our spending slightly. And I think looking, afore, looking forward to the next several months, I think this puts in the, uh, the Republicans in a pretty good position to force more concessions, more spending cuts, and some discipline going into the budget-making process, Larry. I, you know, I think that uh, his own party is not happy that Joe Biden basically came away with none of the Democrat priorities, nothing on climate change, no increase to uh, taxes on wealthy Americans, none of the things that he had talked about earlier. So, uh, you know, did he allow it to happen? Yes. Is that a good thing? Yes. But, oh, my gosh, the coverage in The New York Times and elsewhere, this glowing picture of a man standing on his historical capabilities and getting this done to save the nation is preposterous. I mean, Steve Moore, I thought Biden opposed any spending cuts. Yeah. In fact, he opposed yeah. the whole deal. And, and in fact, he wouldn't even talk to, he wouldn't even meet with McCarthy for a hundred days. Yeah, I have to confess, Larry, that I'm one of the I'm not one of the 68 people who watched that speech. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch it either. I don't know. <laughs> So, uh, look, my view of this is that um, McCarthy is a winner here. I don't think there's any question about it. I would have liked him to be a little tougher and held out for a little bit, but it, it is a $1.5 trillion reduction in, in debt over the next 10 years. And I think um, that Liz, you know, talked about it very well, that this kind of changes the arc of the direction. We still have, you know, so much work to do. And, you know, that latest Rasmussen poll shows 60% of Americans still want significantly more cuts. Mm -hmm. So the, the American people have kind of caught on to this gambit by Biden that we can just spend and borrow and spend and borrow in the trillions and trillions of dollars, and it's not going to hurt the economy. And people see it 
you know, every day with the with the inflation and the higher costs. Seventy percent of Americans think the economy is headed in the wrong direction. So for Biden to take a victory lap seems a little bit out, out, out of touch. Yeah, out of touch, I'll say. I mean, Steve, here's a question. The Republicans in the House still have to generate a budget resolution. Now, the appropriators will meet, but it's not clear to me uh, how this regular order is going to work. In other words, the numbers in this deal can be altered on the downside Mm -hmm. if they so choose. Now, and you're going to have to have some yeah. kind of budget reconciliation package uh, fiscal year ends September 3rd. I mean, if they go to a CR, for example, right, then in, in this deal, the CR itself lowers the spending baseline, yes. right? Yes, yes. And yes. then uh, your hero, uh, Tom Massey, Massey. Uh, yep. Yep. right, he, he's going to launch an automatic across-the-board budget cut of 1%. So you could squeeze more out of this, couldn't you? Possibly. And you're right. These are budget spending caps. They're not ceilings. Right, so, right. You know, uh, that's why, uh, I mean, they're not floors on spending. So this is a, uh, th- I, I, you just put your finger on one of the most important features of this deal that uh, I think a lot of people have overlooked, which is so many times uh, when we reach an impasse on the budget, uh, or they run out of time, whatever it is, they pass what's called just a, a continuing resolution, which just is fund everything at last year's level. But m- normally, as you guys know, it's fund everything at last year's level plus 3% or plus 4% right. or plus right. 5%. This time, it's minus 1%. Right. Yeah. So that, that's, a, that's a great thing. I think it's a great thing. Is, do you know Massey, Steve? Oh, I know, I know him really well. He's brilliant. He's from MIT. He, he got a degree at MIT. Uh, you know, he's he's uh, a kind of libertarian, free market guy, and uh, so I, I he and by the way, he took a big vote on the rules committee yeah. to make sure that this. You know, he was the one of the Republicans voted to move it forward, or else that might have killed the bill. And he, he saved. Looked, it. He has reservations. He did, and and I I really respect him because look, he has some reservations about the bill. I think we all do, but he said we got to move this thing forward. It's a step in the right direction, and you know, as as uh, as Newt Gingrich has been saying, you know, Rome was not built in one day. Actually, I said that. Newt said it was an important first step. I was the one who said Rome wasn't built in a day, brick by brick. You were right. Brick by brick. <laughs> I know that. Um, Liz, we're getting ready for the first debate. It's in a couple of months. I want to ask you, uh, this week Mike Pence is going to throw his hat into the ring and Chris Christie is going to throw his hat into the ring. What do you think? Well, I dismissed Chris Christie as a joke, woke up to find Peggy Noonan deciding yeah. that he's the right guy. I just yeah. about choked on my Wheaties. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think, look, I don't think either of those guys has a prayer. Uh, mm. Chris Christie's just sort of a bomb thrower at this point, it seems to me, to ho- hoping to wreck Trump. Right now it's Trump and DeSantis. Um, I'd love to see Nikki Haley get a little bit further traction. I think she's a very attractive candidate. Uh, but, you know, that's who we got. What about Tim Scott, Steve Moore? Tim Scott is a supply sider, okay? Uh, what about him? I'm a big fan of Tim Scott. I think he is, uh, you know, the, the idea of having a really, um, you know, successful um, black American on the Republican ticket, you know, is, is fantastic for the party. 
And I've known Tim Scott for years. Uh, I love his – he's sort of the new Jack Kemp. He talks all the yeah. time about an opportunity society. And yeah. we believe as conservatives in the equality of opportunity, not the equality of outcomes. And that's a really important message, especially from someone like him who's confronted racism and he you know, grew up poor and he's really made it. Uh, I want to say something about DeSantis. You know, I, I, DeSantis had a, kind of a bad – opening act but i watched his speech was it i think in new hampshire i think it was and i was quite impressed you know he's got a real record and i I have to say i'm angry at at our guy donald trump for running completely fallacious ads against uh desantis saying that cuomo did a better job of dealing with uh with Mm. uh, with covid than did desantis desantis of all the governors probably did the best job of keeping people healthy and safe, but keeping the economy open. And will you please tell your friend Donald Trump to stop running those erroneous ads, Larry? Yeah, no, the fact is uh, Florida closed down, but they opened up fast. They opened up faster than almost anybody. I don't know why uh, Donald Trump said what he said. Uh, Did DeSantis have anything on the economy at that speech? Yeah, it's all yeah. pro-growth stuff. You would you would have loved it. It was you know cutting taxes, getting government spending under control. The regular you got to read that speech. I thought it was really fantastic. I'd so like to get I a wanna, copy of that know, speech. I, yeah, I want to see those guys really duke it out. You know, I mean, I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, race. Now, what Trump has a thirty-point advantage over him, but let's see them both on the stage. All right, you got it. Liz Peake, thank you. Steve Moore, thank you. Folks, Steve Moore's show, More Money, is coming up in just a few seconds. I'm Kudlow, and we'll be back next weekend. Thank you for listening. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.